buddy. Hey, Aaron, would you turn those choir lights on? Thank you. My old eyes can't see as well without light. Amen. I'm glad to be home with all of you. I was thinking there would be a lot less of a crowd here today, but man, y'all came out of the woodwork. Praise God for that. You know, um, been gone a week away from news and TV, and you come back home and you think everything's going to be back to normal, and and it's still we're still fighting this cotton picking virus, aren't we? We can't seem to shake it, and I, I wonder, uh, you know. If a lot of that is not due to the fact that God's not ready for us to shake it yet because we haven't got on our knees enough. I think that has something to play into all of that, personally. I believe that uh, he's calling his church to pray, just like he did in the Old Testament. He said, I'll heal your land when you seek my face and pray and turn from your wicked ways, right? then I'll heal your land. And I, I believe that's what the church needs to do. I said at the very beginning of this, when we started that parking lot church, anybody remember those old days, church in the parking lot, okay? And we, um, I said, I, I really believe that the Lord is going to weed out his church in all of this. And I didn't mean that to be sarcastic or ugly or mean to anybody. I just meant it. I believe because the Spirit laid that on my heart that it's going to be some kind of truth in that, in that God is removing the dross, okay? There'll be people that won't come back to church right here at Aaron Springs. There'll be people like that in churches all over the United States and the world. They were going it was convenient, it was easy, but now it's difficult. Now it takes extra effort. Now it takes overcoming fear, overcoming problems. And we're going to see that there will be many people that don't return uh, to the church gathering. Okay? I'm glad you're not one of those. I'm glad that you are... Uh, established that you are faithful to him that you realize something that it's in his hands what happens to each of us amen if if we are to get the COVID uh, it's by him that we get it if we're not to get it it's by him that we don't get it if we're killed in a car accident on the way home today from church that's by him amen and so I believe that, and I, I want to practice that. And so I, I'm glad to see you here. I, uh, Gail and I, of course, you all know, we went to uh, Montana. Our daughter, son-in-law, and two little grandsons live up there. And so we don't get to see them much. And, and she asked us to come for Christmas this year. And so Gail and I, we went, and we had a great time with them. I was telling Karen and Russell that... They're just old enough now to play with and roll around. He knows there's a little bit of diaper changing, but Grandpa don't get into that too much uh, with the youngest one. But the other one and even the youngest one are fun to run around the house and play. And, and we had a wonderful week. Uh, didn't watch any news. 
What's the weather going to do? Well, let me open the window and see. That's the kind of way we lived this last week, and, and uh, it's kind of nice to do that. Amen. We didn't even know about the bombing in Nashville until uh, probably three or four days after it happened because we just didn't turn on. All we had on the TV was uh, Toy Story 1, 2, 3, and 4. Toy Story 1, 2, 3, and 4. But it was okay. We had a great time. Before I left, I uh, was preaching and about Christmas, and I know you may not recall this, but I preached about hope in Christ, and then I preached about joy that the angels proclaimed to the shepherds. I had one more message that the Lord laid on my heart about Christmas, so if you can stand another Christmas message, you're going to kind of get that, but it really is not about Christmas as much as the proclamation of Christ's coming. And so I want you to turn to Luke chapter 2 this morning with me again. Hope we talked about, joy we talked about, today we're going to talk about peace. All right, so when you find Luke chapter 2, I want you to stand with me in honor of reading God's word in his house. Luke chapter 2, let's begin in verse 13. We're only going to read a couple of verses. Luke 2, 13. You're familiar with the story by now, certainly. It says there in verse 13, And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom He is pleased. Let's pray together. Lord, we call out to You today for that peace. And Lord, I know that on every pew in this building there is... uh, Someone, some family that's not at peace right now. There's things going on in their life that they need this peace. And Lord, I pray that you show us how to gather that up today and how to trust in it and how to utilize it and even how to share it ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. You know, I've been away from cedar trees for... Ten days, and I get home yesterday, and whack. <laughs> so, excuse the handkerchief. In the King James Version, that verse we read, verse 14, says uh, this, And on earth peace among men, and good... I'm sorry, it says, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth... Now, I've got it... I had it memorized, but I don't. But it says, goodwill towards men, Right? Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And so it's a little different in the King James than it is in the New American Standard, but it means the same thing, peace on earth. I would hate to pick a fight with a sky full of angelic hosts and disagree with them, but where's this peace they talked about? Since Christ's birth... And before and after, peace is really something that's very rare, isn't it? You know, there's different kinds of peace. We think world peace means there's not a conflict going on between two nations. But that's really not the peace that we're going to talk about today. Uh, There's emotional peace. You know, I can be at peace with myself. And there's interpersonal peace. Peace. I can be at peace with you, 
but all of these different types of peace, I, I'm not sure what the angels were talking about because we haven't seen much of peace in our world, especially since the birth of Christ. War, domestic violence, divorce. We see churches splitting left and right. Is this peace there? talking about here just a dream or is it something that we haven't experienced yet i believe some of us in the room have experienced this peace so let's dive in a little bit deeper and look at what kind of peace these angels were talking about of course they were talking about the peace that came with jesus and if you would look at the end of that verse you would realize that because it says Peace among men with whom God is pleased. Those are the ones that get the peace. The ones that are pleasing to God or the ones that he is pleased with. So that helps us get into the answer a little bit. And Jesus certainly taught us about how to acquire peace, did he not? He said for us to uh, love our neighbor as ourself. That would be bring peace to us. He told us and taught us to turn the other cheek. He taught us to go the extra mile. He taught us to forgive offenses. He taught us to reject greed. He taught us to tolerate others' weaknesses. He also taught us to serve one another. Amen. In that way, Jesus is almost putting the idea of peace upon yours and mine shoulders. When he taught us to be at peace with men, here's what he said in Romans chapter 12, verse 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. So you mean this peace Jesus talked about is up to me? Well, a type of peace is, but I'm not sure it's the peace these angels are talking about. Okay, and, and what I mean, and you'll understand in just a minute. If peace with men and peace on earth has to do with me, uh, let's you and I make a uh, resolution today that as far as it is possible with me, I'm going to live in peace with people around me. I'm going to do what Jesus taught me to do. I'm going to forgive offenses. I'm going to forgive the weakness of others. I'm going to go the extra mile. I'm going to turn the other cheek. Right? That's what we can do to have peace. Emotional peace. What is that like? Well, Peter told us in 1 Peter chapter 5, I, I wrote it right here on this piece of paper. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety upon Him, because He cares for you. I can be emotionally restful and at peace by taking my pain problems, worries, anxieties, and casting them on God. That's what he asked me to do. Cast my cares upon him because he cares about me. Hey, that's great. I can be at interpersonal peace with my neighbors, like I just said, Romans 12, if possible. Uh, as far as it depends on me, be at peace with all men. 
Also, there could be world peace, and there will be one day when Jesus returns and plants his feet on this earth, and the world knows him as what? The Prince of Peace. Amen. But there's another peace, and I think this is what the angels are talking about here. I believe there's a peace with God. Okay? A peace with God. Romans chapter 5, turn in your Bible there. Keep your finger at both places, but you really, we probably won't be back to Luke. We're going to look more at Romans chapter 5. All right? A great chapter in the Bible. A great book in the Bible. Probably my favorite book of the entire Bible would be Romans. Followed in a close second by the gospel according to John. Romans chapter 5. It says right there. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that's the peace the angels were talking about. All of those types or definitions of peace could be wrapped up in having peace with God. I'm not trying to separate them. I'm trying to just distinguish them. For you, and I think that the emphasis today should be on this peace with God. What does that word peace mean? Well, it, in the Greek, it is erin. E I R E N E. Erin is peace. You might hear it in Hebrew. What do they say? Shalom. Okay? In the Greek, it's erin. In English, it's peace. What does it mean? What's the definition of that? Put back together. Not just put together, put back together. Put back together something that's been separated. Wow, that's interesting, isn't it? Peace with God. Erin, put back together something that's been separated. That's the root word that we have in our English for the word serene. Have you ever been to the side of a lake or a pond or in the woods? It's quiet and beautiful, peaceful, and we call that a serene setting. All right? That's erin in the Greek is the root of that serene that we use in the English. So what is this peace with God? Well, Romans chapter 5 tells us what it is. It is being justified by faith. I can have this peace with God if I am justified by faith. So... What is God's peace? It's really a two-verse answer. The angels tell us it's here and coming, but Romans tells us how we get it. Now, I mentioned in my prayer that there might be someone on every pew in this building, except the ones that are empty, that there's not peace in your life. And, and you might feel that you're at peace with God, but you don't have this peace that we're beginning to discuss here. I, I want to give you a warning this morning, okay? You can feel like you're at peace with God and not be. Peace is not a feeling. Peace is a fact, okay? I, I can feel at ease... I can feel that I'm at peace with God, but if I was to die, 
I would stand before him in judgment because I am not at peace with God. Have you ever heard somebody say, oh, so-and-so, he made his peace with God? I've heard that. Being a pastor, I guess I hear that maybe more than you. I, 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 want, to, I want to steer away from that phrase. We don't make our peace with God. God makes His peace with us. Okay? I can... I, I did a funeral here one time of a man. I, I don't want to mention the family or anything. Uh, it was local family. And, and, and uh, the gentleman did not attend church. Never darkened the door of a church. And man, those are the hardest funerals for me to do, to be honest with you. Because I, I, I have a good suspicion where that man went. But, you know... I preach a message, and, and uh, later on, uh, somebody comes to me, and they say, well, my, I, my dad, you know, I believe my dad's in heaven, and I just kind of looked at him, and okay, and he said he made his peace with God, and he had a different type of belief about God, but he made his peace with God, and, and you know what I wanted to say? I wanted to say, I'm sorry, but I just didn't say anything. It wasn't the place or the time to have a theological discussion about things like that. It was an emotional time, right? The preacher don't need to uh, stab somebody in the heart during a time like that. But that's what I mean by making our peace with God. I, I can have feelings and ideas and all kinds of thoughts about what I think God should be and what He should do and how He should act. But you know what? If they're not in here, then I'm wrong. Amen? No matter how much I think it should be this way, if it's not in here, this is God's description of Himself. This is what He says He's like. This is who He is to us. And so it, my feelings need to line up with Him, and He says that I must make peace with Him. And the way I do that is I must be justified. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God, right? Not on my terms, but I have peace on God's terms. You know, uh, you may feel that you're at peace with Him, but you better beware. You need to know that for sure. Don't just feel it. Peace is not a feeling. As I said before, what happens is you and I are, are enemies of God to begin with. And you say, well, Brother Clay, I, I never felt like I am an enemy of God. Let me read you what the Bible says, okay? Romans chapter 5 and verse 10. It says this, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. The Bible says you were an enemy. The Bible says you are an enemy now if you're not a believer or a follower of Christ. You may not feel like you're an enemy of God, but the Bible says you are. So if you were an enemy, but the verse 10 says, it, when we were enemies, even during that time, Christ loved us enough to still die for our sin, even while we were His enemy. If that brought me to God, His death 
How much more will his resurrected life bring me to God? That's what verse 10 is telling us. If his death brought me to God, how much more will his life do for me? Amen? So while we're enemies, I'm not an enemy. The Bible says you are. Brother Clay's not saying it. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. And the Bible says that you are. So, verse uh, 3, I'm sorry, verse 36 in John chapter 3 says this, He who believes in the Son has eternal life. Now, I like that verse, don't you? He who believes in the Son has eternal life. And man, there's millions of people who believe in the Son. There's few denominations, churches that don't believe Jesus is the Son, but the Baptists are one who does believe He's the Son, and we have a huge contingency of membership on paper in the United States. The largest denomination in the United States, did you know that? Baptist. Wow, there's different branches of Baptist, but the largest denomination. And we all love John 3, 36. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. Ah, but there's more. John didn't finish right there. The verse goes on to say, But he who does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Wow. I thought just believing was enough to get me into heaven, preacher. But here it says, I've got to obey you mean i got to believe and obey Jesus? Brother Clay's not saying it right. The Bible says it. John 3, 36. Read it for yourself later today. He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Are you obedient to Christ? If you're not, then you don't have Peace with God. You wonder why your life is not where you should be or how you want it to be? Maybe because you don't have the peace of God. Amen? I, I, I want to show you what it is to not have it, then I want to show you what it is to have it. Beware. You can feel at peace with God, but the Bible gives us warning that we may not be at peace with God. You might be the greatest charitable giver in the world. We call those people philanthropists, right? They give generously. They have millions and they give millions. But let me tell you something. Giving your money will not atone for your sin. Amen? You might be the nicest, sweetest, kindest person anybody could ever meet. But your sweet, kind, loving disposition will not atone for your sin. You might be the most religious person who's ever walked the planet besides Jesus Christ. And he wasn't religious, by the way. Okay, 
But you might go to church, you might give your money, you might participate, you might teach, you might serve, you might mow the grass, pick up trash, you might do all that you can do in this church to be pleasing to God, but your religious duty will not atone for your sin. Okay? Your giving, your niceness, your work will not atone for your sin. There's only one way that can happen. You have to be justified by God. Therefore, right? Verse 1, chapter 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You must be justified in order to have God's peace. And that doesn't mean that you uh, accept Christ and then you work to better yourself or you work to add to your salvation or you work to get stronger and, and you put effort in. You know why? Because the more someone who thinks that it's Jesus plus works is never working enough. I know people like that. I have family who believe that it's Jesus, and then for me to stay with Jesus, I must work. Work, work, work. Serve, serve, serve. Be, be, be. And if I make a mistake, i got to go all the way back to the beginning and start over again. That type of person can never do enough to keep their conscience clean and true. They're always uncertain if they are saved. They're always lacking in things to do enough for Jesus. That is not what Jesus wants for you. He did the work on the cross, not you. He's done it. God's the one who justifies you, right? You don't justify yourself. You could never justify yourself. And so God does the justifying. Don't try to add works to that. If the result is that we never do enough or we're never certain enough of our salvation, Paul implies in verse 1 that that's not so. I can know that I'm saved. I can know that I am justified. Therefore, having been justified. You see that? Paul's saying it's a fact. It's happened. It's over. It's done. You can't add to it. You can't build it up. It is finished, what Jesus said. Amen on the cross. So, with that in mind, what happens to a believer when they are justified? Somebody quote me Romans 8, verse 1. Come on. Famous, famous verse. Come on. Therefore... There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Right? No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So the peace of God that I thought I had, I might be finding today that I don't really have it because I'm not sure that I'm justified. I'm not sure that I'm justified in the eyes of God. But if I am justified, then I won't be condemned. I want you to weigh that out with yourself today and walk out these doors knowing that you're justified. How do I know that, Brother Clay? Well, let's go on. To have peace with God, you must have Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Look in verse 1, 
chapter 5 again. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not my efforts that bring me the peace. It's rather what Jesus has done on the cross that brings me peace with God. Romans uh, chapter 5 and in really the entire book of Romans uh, points, Paul writes and narrows everything down for you and I to see that we have nothing, are nothing except for Jesus Christ. Verse 1, it says, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 11, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 21, chapter 5, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Chapter 6, verse 23, in Jesus Christ our Lord. Chapter 8, verse 39, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Chapter 7, verse 25, through Christ Jesus our Lord. We have nothing except for Him. Everything that we are and hope to be and have is through Jesus Christ our Lord. That title that Paul gave him in this book, signifies everything that Jesus is to us. He is Lord, right? What does that mean? It means that He is God. He's deity. It also implies His authority over us. I have never read in the Bible anywhere this option for you and I. That you can believe that Jesus is the Savior... And then somewhere later down in your life, you can now make Him the Lord of your life. I've never read that anywhere, anywhere in the Bible, that that's a possibility for you and I. But I've talked to several people who believe that they were saved when they called Him the Savior, and then later on in their life, they made Him the Lord. Uh Uh-uh. I believe... When they made Him the Lord, they became saved. I believe in Lordship salvation. I believe Jesus Christ our Lord is His title. And I don't find the option of me splitting it and making two separate decisions in my life. I'm going to ask you right now, is He your Lord? Do you follow Him? Do you listen to Him? John 3.36 If you believe in Him, you have eternal life. But if you don't obey Him, you don't have that life, but you have the wrath of God abiding on you. John certainly didn't see it as a separate issue. John saw it combined. You need to see it as such. Amen? See it that way. For me to have the peace of God, I must have Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior because then I am justified in the eyes of God. Now, um, let's talk some more about this topic here. It says, um, I must submit all that I am, you know, if, if you could separate those, which I don't believe you can, I believe this is the thinking behind separating it, that I knew that I was a sinner and I needed a Savior. So I I, I was saved. And then as I began to walk the Christian life, I noticed something. That, hey, I'm supposed to be following the Lord Jesus Christ. So later in my life, I made Him the Lord. I I believe that's the thinking behind that. And I want to put that down right here now also, okay? 
when you got saved, you didn't know everything there was to know about Him, did you? I certainly didn't. I knew He was God, God's Son, He was the Lord, He was the Savior. So when I was saved, I surrendered everything I knew about me to everything I knew about Him. Then, the Bible teaches, we are to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We don't make Him Lord later. Okay? Surrender everything you know about you right now to everything you know about Him right now. That's being saved. That's how you do it. And then you grow in the grace and knowledge of Him. There's no other access to the Father. If I am not justified, if I'm not following the Lord Jesus Christ, if I'm not obeying Him, I'm not justified, I have no peace, the peace of God in my life, and there's no other access to God. There's no other way to get to Him. Jesus taught us that. Anytime, any place. You can't go to Mary. You can't pray to Mother Mary and she's going to get you access. You cannot go to the saints. St. Joseph, St. Uh, Ignatius or whatever their names are. You can't go to them and think you're going to get access to God. You can't go to the priest and think you're going to get access to God. The only way to do it is through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, with that in mind, how do I, how do I get this access? How do, I go, how do I get it? Well, it's because of God's grace that He gives us this access. He declares us justified because we have received His gift, His plan for our salvation. We have received His sacrifice for our sin. And because of that, now God calls us justified. He sees us as justified. He says we are justified. Amen? Here's, here's two options for you. Either you are relating to God by trying to earn His favor by keeping the law, or you have received His undeserved favor through what Jesus did for you. Now, which one are you doing? Are you pleasing God by your obedience which the Bible teaches brings the wrath of God upon you because you can't keep it? Or are you trusting in what Christ did for you on the cross? And that's what I'm doing. I'm trusting in what Christ did for me and God sees that and now He calls me justified. And He's calling you justified if you've done the same thing. Now, some of you, uh, access to the Father doesn't sound that Interesting because you had a horrible earthly father. And I'm not talking about your dad now. I'm just speaking about the experience that I know some people go through. They would rather not even talk about their earthly father. And so when you talk to them about a heavenly father, they already got this sour look. Well, I hope that I can convince you that he is not like your dad. Amen? Look what it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 31. It says, If God is for us, who is against us? For He, being God, did not spare His own Son, 
but delivered him up for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? Romans 8, 31b and 32. God is for you. Your earthly dad may not have been for you, but your heavenly father is for you. And he did not withhold his own son for you. And if he did that, how much more will he give you? Because he did not withhold his son from you. So to have peace with God, I must be justified. Now something this peace with God does for us, and I want to look at that for a minute. The peace of God brings confidence to us by sharing in the glory of God. Luke chapter 2, the angel said, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. King James Version, right? Glory to God in the highest. New American Standard, glory to God in the highest. Now I want you to look at verse 2 in Romans chapter 5. What does it say there? Through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exalt in hope of the glory of God. To have the peace of God, first you must understand that God is a glorious God. First you must understand that God gets the glory. To have the peace of God, you've got to realize about the glory of God. The angels sang it out, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Romans chapter 5 Being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Why? So that we can hope in the glory of God. They must go together and they do certainly go together. God's glory first, His salvation reminds us of that. We exult in the hope of the glory. Paul says, if I'm hoping for something that I already see, that's not really hope. But we hope for things that we do not see. That we're longing to see. It would be like this. Let's say you're a child again. All right. And your dad uh, tells you that he's going to give you a brand new bicycle for Christmas. But he's telling you this in October. (sighs) So you know that your dad has made a promise to you. And you know that your dad has the ability and the funds to buy that promise for you. But you've got to wait. You've got to wait till Christmas. And so from October to Christmas Eve, you are anticipating, you are hoping in. You know it's coming. You know it's going to be there. Your dad told you. You know he can do it, but you can't have it until... Christmas. That's what Paul is trying to get us to see when we hope in the glory of God. Amen? We will see it. We will share in it. We will experience it. Right now, we just hope in it. Who hopes in it? The ones with whom God is pleased. It's important that you catch that in the Christmas story Verse 14, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. 
I keep quoting the King James for some reason. I don't know what's the matter with me. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. Right? So, seeing God's glory, we exalt in it. What does it mean to, uh, to exalt? It means to boast. It means to proclaim. It means to sing it out. It means to glory in it. It's not in man that we glory. It's in God. So often you and I fall short of seeing the glory of God. We are nearsighted. I look at my arm's distance. I look at the problems just beyond my reach. I look at the things all around my life. But I sometimes and most of the times fail to look beyond and see the glory of God that He's allowing me to live in and exist in and relish in and boast in. Why won't we do that? Let's start boasting in the glory of God. To have peace with God means that I will boast about Him and I will talk about Him and I will exalt Him. To have peace with God means that I'm put back together again. Amen? You see that? God wants peace with you and He's going to establish a way for you to have that. How? By having Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Obeying Jesus Christ brings this peace of God into my life. I now have confidence in God. I can now boast about God. I can now spend my life looking for His glory. Um, Donald Barnhouse was a famous preacher in Pennsylvania a few years back. And he tells it like this. Think about it. You are a soldier in a foxhole by yourself. And you are defending a place that your commanding officer told you to hold and you've been there for days maybe even weeks and you're eating them old cold K rations and it's cold at night and it's hot in the day but you're guarding your post in that foxhole one morning you wake up and you hear somebody calling your name and you raise your head and look back, and here comes a soldier running, calling your name and your serial number. And you raise your hand, you say, here I am, and he runs over to your foxhole. And he says, you're so-and-so? And you say, yes. And he says, well, I'm so-and-so, and I'm here to replace you. You have new orders. You are to go home. You are to leave right now. You are to go home and eat at your father's table. And I'm going to take your place. And you say to this soldier, you mean I got to leave this old comfortable, nice foxhole? And I got to give up all these cold K rations to go home and eat at my father's table? And he says, yes, here's your orders. We are so short-sighted, aren't we? We would rather stay and eat them old rations and live in that foxhole than to go home and be with our Father at His house and eat from His table. 
to be at peace with God. What a blessing that is. I would rank that right up there with salvation, wouldn't you? It is salvation to be at peace with God. I believe that's what the angels proclaimed to those shepherds on that day. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. If you're not one of those today, you can do it right now. There's no time, no place, no event. Nothing has to happen special. All that you need to feel is the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart. And I believe he's doing that today right here in this place. That's his responsibility is to pull our heart. Amen? That's the Father tugging at you, calling you, giving you orders. Come and be saved. Come and enjoy the peace that I'm offering you. Come and enjoy the salvation that I want to give you. But if you want to stay in that old dirty foxhole and eat them K rations, that's your choice. God won't pull you out of it. He'll let you live in it. And then when you die, you'll stand before him and you'll be judged for it. Come and be free. Come and be safe today. That's the Christmas story. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for your word. Lord, it's so good and powerful and, and it's so persuading. And Lord, I pray that you just speak to us and help us to grasp it and understand it. And Lord, I pray for anyone here that doesn't know that peace right now that might be living outside of it. Lord, it's, it's not a shameful thing. We all lived there. I lived there for 34 years before I climbed out of that hole because your hand was leading me. There's some here today that lived in it longer than I. And there's some that only lived in it in a few years. But if there's anybody still in it in this place, Lord, pull them out right now and help us to be put back together again with you. In Jesus' name, let's stand together.